And Philippians 4, verse 1, is where we'll be, 1 through 9. And I want to recap where we have been up into this point. Uh, Last week, I talked about pressing on. Pressing on. And there's three things that I talked about last week of pressing on when things aren't perfect. Press on when things pull for your attention. And you press on by God's grace. And I shared an illustration actually with the prayer team last week. And as you kind of co-discern, we thought that might be a good spot for us to start. And so I have an illustration. Again, former student pastor with illustrations. I have these over here. And uh, I want to talk about these two uh, illustrations right here, Uh, and they look like uh, weapons, especially this one. I I walked around with this one uh, in the congregation uh, last week and today, and people were quite scared. Uh, It's not my Halloween, you know, outfit, getting ready for it or anything like that. It's not like Freddy Krueger or Walking Dead. Everyone's like, oh, Walking Dead costume. Oh, Freddy Krueger costume. You know, I know we're getting ready for trunk or treat. This is not part of my costume, and it is quite creepy. And you probably think, oh my goodness, this guy had a bat, and he just sat there, and he screwed screws into it. Uh, This guy's a little morbid or weird. It is an illustration. I will explain. It's not uh, that that creepy uh, as it might seem. And you notice this one. uh, We see that this is like a staff or a shepherd's staff. And in Psalm 23, It says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. This doesn't look very comfortable, but thy rod and thy staff comfort me. And why is it like that? Well, in the Hebrew culture, this is actually what it would look like. It would be nails, not screws, and probably not as far out as this one. Uh, But what they would do is, yes, they would defend and protect the sheep. And yes, they would defend and protect the sheep from wolves. But also, one of the key things with shepherds when they were tending to their flock, is that they would also peel back some of the wool with the nails on the rod because sheep struggled with injuries. They were quite clumsy. Also, they struggled with skin disease. And if you didn't know they had skin disease, you just kind of had to pull some of the wool back. And so we think it's like, oh yeah, to press on means that we are going to get pressed on, almost like a hitting thing, almost like a hurtful thing. And maybe, honestly, whether it be direct or indirect, some of us may have grown up in churches where it was like, oh, I got to just press on. And it felt like we were maybe a slave to God and he was pressing on us to keep going. But I do think the reality is, is what he is doing is he wants to reveal the things that are eating away at us. That he wants to roll the wool back and reveal and heal. And where we're heading this morning is we're going to see the good shepherd as he begins to reveal and heal some things that are eating away at us as a church. And not only that, but he's going to show us in this passage how we can begin to reveal and heal with one another and the community that we are in. If we're following the good shepherd, then we are like shepherds who bring about revealing and healing. We're going to gather people together and we're going to see revealing and healing happening not only in this church, but also in this community. So I'm going to ask that question. What does it look like for us to begin to reveal and heal 
And I don't know if you've got kids or not, but when you have kids who are hurting, a lot of the times what they want to do is, you've probably heard this phrase, I need a Band-Aid. Give me a Band-Aid for the boo-boo. Well, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to reveal and heal. Sometimes we got to get the Holy Spirit to kind of breathe on it, like oxygen breathing on a boo-boo, if you will. So let's look at how do we begin to reveal and heal as a church. And then at the end, we're going to look at how do we do that with the community. Philippians 4.1 is where we're going to start. And there are six points. And so I'm kind of going to do a flyover of the passage. And we're going to spend some time in verses 8 and 9. So Philippians 4 verse 1. These are the kind of six core traits, I would say, of a healthy church. And before I begin, as we're going through these very quickly, Dallas Willard says this. We use this as a staff all the time. He says, look at the things that shimmer and shine. Look at the things that God is showing you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have these six points kind of as a list. And what I ask is, hey, what is the Lord highlighting to you that maybe you could step into so that you could begin to reveal and heal? Not only yourself, but the people around you. So what is going to stick out to you from these six things as we go? So here we go. Philippians 4 verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, and my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. It's, it's like Paul is saying, I love you, I love you. It's almost like Buddy the Elf is what it feels like. It's like, I love you, I really love you. Stand firm in the Lord, I love you. You know, it's like an over-the-top infatuation of love for this church. And the first little reality here, if we're looking at six core traits of a healthy church, first one is this, is that love is the emphasis. Love is the emphasis. Maybe you haven't uh, seen this in scripture. It says, they will know that we are Christians by the way we love one another. Love is the emphasis. I think we're going to have it up on the screen as far as the points here. Love is the emphasis. That's number one. There was a pastor who had a, a dream, and in that dream, it was very odd. He was at a wedding, and as he went to the wedding, he went up to the groom, and he said, your bride is ugly. Now, who would ever say that? He was perplexed by his own dream that he actually said that out loud. And so he woke up the next day, and he asked the Lord, Lord, what did that mean? And as you've seen in maybe the scripture in the Old Testament, we see that Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride. And he woke up and he said, he heard the Lord say, that's what you're saying about my own bride. You're saying it's ugly. And then he, it was literally, I mean, it was from the Lord. Things that started popping in his head were the churches down the street that he was dogging over and over again. And he said, you're calling my bride ugly. You're calling them messed up. You're calling them out. And he started repenting right there of like, okay, wait a minute. Love is the emphasis. Even if they don't go to our church, maybe we don't agree on all the maybe Christian non-essential things. They still are Jesus's bride. And so he started changing his perspective. He said, okay, I got to make love the emphasis. Let's go to 
the next one. Philippians 4, 2 and 3. I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Suntuke. I don't know if that's actually how it's pronounced, by the way. I just think that's the most fun pronunciation. So that's the one I'm using. Euodia and Suntuke. To agree in the Lord. What are they agreeing in? In the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose all, all that has been named, all are in the book of life. Point number two is this, not only is love the emphasis, but that we work out our differences from an eternal perspective, that we see differences from an eternal perspective. It's not like we all have to have uniformity as a church, we have to have unity as a church. And so there are going to be differences, and there should be differences. But if there are these things that are causing division, he's saying work it out. From an eternal perspective. I mean, I, I, I just, I can't imagine these two reading this letter and they're like, yep, in the Lord, praise him. Yep, this is good. Joy, joy. And then it's like straight naming these two people. All right, hey, and guess what? Yodia and Sutuke, you got to work this thing out. It's like they're listening to the letter. They're like, yes, this is amazing. Praise God. Hey, you two, work it out. And so what I want to do is I want us to like replay that. So I know a couple of you have issues with each other. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead and point to the person you have an issue with. Let's just all stand up, handle all the issues right now. No, we're not going to do that. But we do have differences. And it's saying don't just see that you have differences. It's saying work out your differences, but work them out to recognize that, hey, this person follows Jesus. You follow Jesus. Work it out from that perspective. Don't just work it out, but it says this. Agree in what? What's the th How can we come to an agreement? It's an amazing, just practical thing if you're trying to work on conflict. Work out the agreement in the Lord. So if there's two people that have an issue, let's look to this third thing, which is in the Lord, and say, how can we grow towards the Lord in what he's doing instead of coming at each other? And so another trait of a healthy church is that we do work out our differences, but we work them out from an eternal perspective. The next thing, Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And I don't know if you think of this song, if you grew up in church, but it is stuck in my head now after just reading that. And I want to sing it. I'm tempted. I'll go ahead. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice. And there we go. There's the clap. Paul is saying rejoice always. And then he says it again, rejoice. And why does he say it back to back? He says it back to back, and here's the next one, that you are called to rejoice even when it's not easy. So love is the emphasis, work out your differences from an eternal perspective, and rejoice even when it is not easy. It reminds me of the verse 2 Corinthians 6.10 that's helped me a ton, working out how do I be joyful yet actually honest about where I'm at. And it says, I am sorrowful yet joyful. That somehow sorrow and joy can actually live together. 
And there's these difficult moments for all of us where it's hard to pull out that joy when we are mourning. And it's, it's not saying stuff your sorrow. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, let's see how we can be sorrowful and yet joyful. And not just joyful, but he's saying rejoice. And what do we rejoice in? We rejoice in the Lord. Not a circumstance, not something that's happened in our lives or something we've achieved, but in the Lord we rejoice. And it's not just a joy, but it's a joy that is shared. Rejoice. So love is the emphasis. We work out our differences through an eternal perspective. Rejoice when it's not easy. And Philippians 4, 5, this is a fun one. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. I'm sure like in, in the middle, I think Ben actually brought this up is that he kind of hit this verse all the time during the pandemic because there was times where people were acting unreasonable. And it says reasonable with everyone, not just the party you agree with or not just the things that you line perfectly with, but in your disagreements or your differences, be reasonable. I looked at the word and I looked at some other translations and it can also be translated as gentleness. Be gentle. One pastor said this about this sermon is that it is being reasonable with everyone is almost like you just have an overflowing bucket of mercy that you just dish out no matter who you're talking to. Just like I've got overflow of grace and mercy for these people. And for me, I'll just be honest, I've been working in a church for a long time. It is sometimes hard for me because I get so somewhat this, like hard-hearted in some ways or cold in some ways. And I think it's like, oh yeah, I'm just, I've arrived. I'm mature. This is what maturity looks like. And what I end up doing is people that come to faith, that are new to the faith, who are still wrestling with so many things as they're coming to faith, it's like, man, am I showing grace and mercy to them or am I trying to stand up for this like fake maturity? And so what does it look like for us to show tons of grace and mercy towards one another. When I was thinking about the press on stuff last week, and I was talking about press on when things aren't perfect, and I talked about the shingles that I got. thought it was the spider bite, but it was shingles. And in that moment, when I started being honest and saying, I have shingles, I started just changing a lot of my perspective to where a mentor of mine sat me down uh, with coffee and I, and I was so sad that I had no idea how stressed I was. I just confessed. I was like, I didn't even know I was this stressed. It was scary to actually get to that point of not recognizing how stressed I actually was. And as I was sharing that, he looked at me and he said, stay tender. And I was like, Man, that hits me so hard that it's like, it's like a check in my spirit that I needed to press on. It's like, am I staying tenderhearted towards the people around me, no matter where they're coming from? That's that reasonableness that is mentioned here. Reasonable with every one. Last one is this, Philippians, uh, two more actually, Philippians 4, 6 says this, do not be anxious or worry 
about anything. <laughs> I love that someone already laughed at that. It's like, okay, I, you know, I just, I'm hoping and banking on that the Greek doesn't say anything. Maybe there are some things I can worry about, but that's, that's exactly what it says. Don't worry about anything. Anything on your mind, don't worry about it. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Do not worry about anything. The six traits, we're on trait number five here, is pray and thank God in every worry. Yes, in everything, but let's just start with worry. In every worry. Because what he's saying here is not that worries are going to just go away, but he's saying, what do you do when the worry comes? How do you respond when you start to worry? Me, I worry, and I figure, try to figure it out for days and days and days, and like three or four days into trying to understand this thought fully that I'm worrying about, it's just like, wait a minute, let me just pray and ask God, what do you have to say about this? What do you think about this? And with worry, a lot of times, not all the time, worry and anxiousness, a lot of the times it has to do with my control over that situation. How can I control it to give me the outcome that I want? And so there's this idea of praying and giving to God and surrendering to God and saying, what do you think about this situation? And not only that, but it says, thank God. So pray and thank God even in the midst of worry. And why do we do that? Why do we thank God? It shifts, if you notice the in the Lord, it shifts our perspective from not the worry, but the Lord. And then we begin to say, Lord, thank you that you even gave me this house to begin with. I know it's got leaks. I know it's got things it needs to fix. I'm so worried if it's going to hold itself together. But wait a minute. Thank you, God, that you provided me with this house. Thank you, God, that I do have a roof for my kids. Thank you, God, that you actually showed up in the dealings so that we could actually even sign this contract to begin with. And then as you do that, the worry seems to kind of drift away, and God becomes the center or the focus. So pray and thank God in every worry. Not that you won't have worries, but when you do, what do you do? Philippians 4, 7 is the last piece. And, here it is, the peace, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Jesus. For me, when I read this passage, I had to ask myself the question right out of the gate. I'm, I'm, I want, this was like, as I'm reading this, this was ministering to me. And the thing that stuck out to me was, Benton, are you letting God's peace guard you? Or is your guard up everywhere you go? Where, where, what's guarding your heart? What's protecting you? Is it you? Because what's that going to do? It's going to go back and add a whole lot of worry. Or is God the one who is guarding your heart? Are you giving that over to him? Because when you do, it says the peace of Christ will surround you or envelop you or close you in. That's the last point here for us. That the 
Let the peace of Christ envelop you. And so for these, let's keep this up on the screen. For you, what, what, kind, of, what kind of is like shimmering and shining? What is standing out to you? What is something that's like, oh, that's a little unique. I've never seen that before. I never thought about that. When it comes to these ways that we can begin as a church with each other, how do we reveal and heal with one another? We have to have these things to, to actually step into them. We have to have these six healthy traits of a church to begin stepping into how to reveal and heal what God is doing in our midst. So for you, what, what would that be? What I recommend is once you have one of those that kind of sticks out, I just recommend you write it down, you pray over it. Maybe you talk to someone that you're living with, or maybe you talk to a mentor friend, or or even here. We're available. If you want to talk to a, a staff member or another volunteer here, we would love to talk about one of these things that may be standing out to you, so that we can walk in this together, because Not only does the good shepherd reveal and heal, but we want to do that as God's family. And not only with each other, but here's the last little piece, is how do we do that in the world? Philippians 4, 8, and 9 is where we're going to end our time. It says this, Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brothers, it's amazing. He says finally, and then he goes on, you know, like, Gosh, how many verses is that? 17 more verses, 15 more verses. Finally, I'm done. Not typical pastor. I'm done. Here's my last point. 15, 20 more minutes in. Here we go. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything that is excellent, there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Ponder these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, not only ponder these things, but he's saying practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. When it comes to how we reveal and heal in the world, the church can have some different reactions. There are these churches that kind of blend in with the culture or the world around them. Maybe you've seen this. Maybe you've seen this in funny videos. I have this Instagram video where I watch, I think it's like Deuteronomy memes or something like that. It kind of just pokes fun at some churches. And it's like, I'm bringing Jesus back. Yeah, you are the, it's like, okay, what are we doing? Like, as a church, what are we doing? And, and a lot of churches do that. They're trying to be cool or hip or stay up with what's going on. And so they just recreate culture songs to try to blend in with the culture. There's an other churches that go against culture. Maybe you've been a part of this kind of church before where you kind of go to a potluck 
and someone decides to bring deviled eggs, and then there's, you know, some amazing person who comes over there and just slowly prays for each deviled egg. Yes, Lord, we just cast out this devil in each egg. Cast out this devil, this devil, this devil. Churches do that. They tend to one side or the other, where they just blend in, and it's like, I don't know if they're Christian or they're not Christian. Or they go against it, and the church doors are closed. It's like, hey, if they, if they really want to be here, they got to really want to be here. They got to make their way into the building. And we're going to get rid of all things culture. But there is a third way that's highlighted in here that he's saying, hey, I don't want you to only think about these things. I want you to practice these things. And this actually comes out of 3 verse 22. It says, your citizenship is in heaven. We wait on the Lord. And then it says, as the good shepherd, he will transform your lowly body. There will be transformation that will take place. And what does it look like for us as we engage with the world and the culture is we transform the culture and the community. I think we got some slides for this. We have these three potential areas of blending. We have against, and the church that blends with the culture, they just say yes to everything. We don't want to offend. We don't want to say anything weird. We don't want to really like pray for the person or talk about Jesus. We just kind of want to blend in and not say anything. There's the other side that I mentioned that the church goes against the culture. And that's just, we say no to everything culture. No, 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 no. We have that on the other side. And then what you see happening here, you can go ahead and show all of it. You're good. You can keep going. We have them saying no to everything. And in Philippians 4, 8, and 9, Paul is expounding upon something that Plato actually hit on that says there's these intangibles that we need to highlight and celebrate. And that is what's true, what's good, what's beautiful. If you actually look at Philippians 4, 8, and 9, he's saying what is true, honorable, and just. That is not only true, but then you go into just and pure and lovely. What is, that is good stuff. And then you say what is commendable and excellent, it's worthy of praise. It is a beautiful thing to celebrate God's creativity in other people, and in our surroundings. And then we have the other side of this of like, okay, what's the opposite of saying yes to those things? It would be saying no to the things that steal, kill, or destroy. Or if you're from the South, it's steal, kill, and destroy. He keeled over because he was keeled. And so we say yes to the things that are true, good, and beautiful in our culture. But we say no to those things that the enemy would be a part of. And so we got to learn how do we say yes and how do we say no. Well, we have a rubric here from Paul that says, hey, you celebrate and you talk about the things that are true, good, and beautiful that are from God. And you say the no to the things that would steal, kill, or destroy. We receive, maybe heard this when we went through Nehemiah, 
We receive the things that are true and good and beautiful from culture, but we reject those other things. And as the church who begins to transform culture, we look to redeem. So we receive certain things, we reject certain things, but ultimately what we're trying to do is redeem the things that are going on. How do we begin to say yes and no? Just give you a couple examples. Taylor Swift, amazing songwriter, God-given, but the Kansas City Chiefs have been talked about too much already? No, Ryan, no, boo. And so now she's making them famous, even more famous, more popular than they already are. More annoying, more annoying. We say no to the annoying Kansas City Chiefs. But a very real one for us coming up is trunk or treat. And with trunk or treat, around Halloween, there are some things that we want to say yes to. And that's the kids in our community. That we want to create a safe space for them to actually get candy and have fun. And so we got trunk or treat coming up. It's going to be right back here. It's going to be amazing. We still need a couple more trunks if you want to put some candy in there and dress up and decorate. And we want to say yes. We, we feel that conviction from Jesus when he talks about letting the kids come. And if we don't allow that, it's like, just go ahead and throw a meal stone around your neck. We don't want to turn the kids away. They're already going to be out there. They're already going to be doing stuff. We say yes to the next generation in this community. At the same time, we think about this very intently. You're going to see balloons that are going to be more fall leafy. We're not going to have some weird, creepy, I don't know, demonic thing going on in the balloon activity, okay? We're going to say no to that stuff. We're going to say yes to the kids, and we're going to say no to the things that people may have tried to attach this holiday to. And we're going to actually invite them in because what do we want to do? We want to redeem. The word redeem means buy back. We want to buy back this holiday, and we actually want to make God's kingdom be advanced here on the earth. So that's why we're doing trunk or treat. We're, we're going to have certain things we're going to say no to, but we're going to say yes to these kids. We're going to say yes to our neighbors so that we can actually share this good news that we talked about. And here's the thing. Here's the last thing I want to say. Ben, you can come on up. Here's the last thing I want to say. I have been uh, here for a year. I've commuted for most of that. We just moved here about a month and a half ago. And so I've been observing the church, been meeting some kingdom community leaders, potential new ones, people in this church. And I just want to say this. Y'all are more than ready to receive this community. Y'all are more than ready and more equipped to redeem. Every single conversation that I've had, this is what y'all do every single time. And this is why I love being a part of this church. This is why I'm like, hey, Meg, we've got to lock arms with these people. Because this is all y'all are doing. Everywhere you go, you're gathering people and you're revealing and healing. Just one quick one that just happened this week. I don't even know if he's here. I'm sorry I didn't ask you for this 
But Clark Hathaway, this past week, saw a mom playing with her kid in the front yard. And this is what he did. He walked over there, gathered. Hey, I want to talk to you for a second. And what he began to do is he would reveal and heal in one sentence. He just said, I just want you to know, you're a good mom. And tears just came from this mom's face. It's like, hey, I'm revealing to you what God is already doing. And it says this in Scripture, in our midst, God's already here, and all I'm doing is I'm revealing what God is already doing in our midst. I just want to tell you what God is seeing. And then you just can tell that there's healing flowing in that moment. That's what we're doing here. That's what I believe. The reason I switched up this sermon so last second is just I wanted to encourage you. That's what this church is about. Y'all are all about reveal and heal. Reveal and heal. I've heard countless stories of people who came from really hurt churches and really nasty stories and are experiencing healing here. I've heard a lot of people who are like, I don't know what, I don't know direction. And you've heard this word, co-discern, co-discern, co-discern. I don't have direction. I don't know where I'm going. I am stuck. People from this church have just come in droves. Reveal, this is what I think God's doing. Reveal, this is what I think God's doing. And so when trunk or treat happens, and this community comes in the 400s to 500 people, and we don't have enough parking, we'll figure that out. That's kind of our aim. That's our goal. That's, that's just naturally what's flowing out of you already. And so I want us to go after that intentionally. How do we lock arms together at events like this to bring revelation and healing in this land right here so that other people can taste this good news that's already been brought up? It says this about God's grace, if you didn't catch it, all the way through. It says in verse 5, the Lord is with you. The Lord is at hand. He's in your midst. We share this good news as we reveal and heal. The peace of God will surpass all of your understanding, and He's the one that will guard your heart. And then at the very end, not only is He just around, not only does he want to guard your heart, it says that his peace will walk with you every step of the way. And that's what we're doing here at this church called Grace Marietta. As we, by God's spirit, by his grace, not our effort, we're seeing him use us to bring revelation and healing, not only in this church, but in this community. And so I want to pray into that now. If you could go ahead and stand with me, I'd love to pray, and then we'll take a time of communion and move into worship. Lord, you are the good shepherd. You are the good shepherd. And we want to follow you. You don't treat us like slaves where you take this rod and you hurt us, but you are the good shepherd who brings healing to us. And we don't, we want to follow you in that, not only follow you in that, but we want to be your hands and feet to the ones 
who can't see, we pray for revelation. To the ones who are hurting, we pray for your healing. And Lord, we ask that you would use us. We ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we ask for the things of heaven to flow through us. Because we know whatever you're doing in us, you also want to use through us. And so we ask for you to move, Holy Spirit. We pray that your kingdom would come. You are the king. And you're the king that is so good to us. May we display that by your strength, by your grace, by your spirit. And as we take communion, we want to say thank you for going before us. You are the faithful one. We can be like Peter sometimes where we just may feel like, I don't know if I want to reveal and heal to this land. I kind of just want to run away. Lord, we thank you that you stood in our place so that we could stand in your power. And so we recognize that with communion, that your blood was poured out for us. You, we were supposed to be on that cross, but you took our place. And that your body was broken for us so that we might have life and life abundant. And that you tore the veil so that we could be with you and that the peace of Christ could walk with us every step of the way. And so we worship in that place. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.